Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Hi everyone. Today I spoke with Steve Ryan from MMI Professional Services. Steve has uh, done a lot of uh, great work for us, uh, writing columns in the magazine with some very good uh, business insights for contractors uh, everywhere. And uh, he joined me today to talk a bit about uh, the topics that I think are uh, at the top of everybody's minds, uh, inflation, um, the general business conditions. Um, we talked about uh, housing prices, uh, the effects of uh, various moves by uh, by governments, the effects of uh, inflation on housing prices, um, some things that uh, maybe uh, you can do to mitigate the, uh, the the shifting and chaotic price increases that we've been seeing. Um, we also got into uh, labor supply and uh, and and what what is, we're likely to see with wages. Uh, Steve uh, uh, is clear that he's he's not an economist, but he is a uh, he is a business uh, consultant that has done uh, a lot of good work advising uh, businesses like yours on uh, on how to uh, best prepare for uh, things that are that are coming and things that are uh, are going to confront you. And uh, he has some great insights for us on uh, on on all of these economic matters that uh, that will impact you going forward and uh, on into twenty twenty three. So please enjoy uh, my conversation with Steve Ryan from MMI Professional Services. Okay, folks, this is fun. I'm here with uh, Steve Ryan from MMI Professional Services, and but maybe better known to many of you uh, as a, a regular columnist in Canadian Contractor Magazine. Uh, Steve shares his uh, really excellent thoughts on, uh, I'd say, the business side of the, of, of contracting. Uh, with all of us uh, uh, several times a year. Steve, thanks so much for uh, joining me on The Hammer today. It's a pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to hear your voice and not just uh, not just see your printed word, as, as excellent as that is. Uh, yeah, you may regret it. I, sometimes I'm not as concise as I can be. <laughs> hey, it's a podcast. Conciseness is not our goal. It's uh, it th thoroughness, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so, uh, so Steve, um, why don't you uh, why don't you start out just by uh, uh, giving us a little introduction of yourself and uh, and some of your background? Sure, sure. Well, I'm I'm actually a I guess you you might think of me as a classic business suit. I I don't come from a long history in the building industry. I spent about 20 years in international business for. Some household names like uh, Unilever and SC Johnson. And the last 10 years of my career, though, rather than, than follow my job overseas, I, I went to work for a insurance restoration contractor. And that's an environment where because of you have a, a, a corporate client in the form of an insurance company, business practice is probably even more vital there than it is in, in other branches of the construction industry. And while I was there, I, you know, came face to face with business, basic business skills. One of the things that that's holding contractors back probably more than any ability to build or sell. Uh, coincidentally, when I was uh, going to retire in 2015, the um, Ontario licensing program, which is administered by Tarion, uh, those of you in Ontario would know that name. They were coming out with a much more rigorous process that required specific training, and I um, got accredited with Tarion and have been pr uh, 
providing those training courses ever since for at least three of the seven subject areas that they require. And more recently, that licensing process has been taken over in Ontario by the Home Construction Regulatory Authority. So I've carried on with that. Nice. And now, uh, if I may. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, uh, you know, while we're talking about credentials and given that the subject we're talking about here is sort of broad macro policy type things, I need to be quite clear here that I'm not an economist. Um, my, the, the two qualifications I can lay claim to is I, as I tend to have opinions and, and share them, whether people want them or not. Uh, but the, probably the only thing that puts me in a position to, to talk in ways that other people might find informative is, is I'm old enough to have been around when the wheels came off in the late seventies and the last time we saw, uh, interest rates run away with us. So I've got a lot of the remembered pain from that. Well, Steve, you're all, you, you also have the qualifications uh, uh, of a magazine editor because I too am not a, am not a uh, economist and I'm only too willing to share my opinions about things about which I uh, probably don't know as much as I should. So the <laughs> between the two of us maybe we'll maybe we'll arrive at something intelligent to say on this. but I know you have something intelligent to say on it because uh, your last column uh, in our uh, in our Q4 issue, uh, what's up with inflation? Uh, came across to me as uh, as as having some uh, as having some good insights, and that's why I wanted to to have this conversation because you know inflation it, it it's it, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, uh, the prices uh, uh, are are just affecting everybody. It's been the topic of conversation, I think, across the industry for uh, well at least the last year now. Um, we're you know we we seem to be out of the out of the worst of the uh, of the jumps uh you know you remember last summer or i should say summer of 2021 when uh when the price of lumber was was just out of control and and well it wasn't it wasn't only the price it was that you couldn't get a lot of it for love nor money osb was it was practically impossible to obtain uh for a while there and um and and then you know with with that supply choke comes that comes the requisite price jumps but so we're we're still seeing we're still seeing but just these elevated levels of levels of inflation like like you said um and we haven't dealt with this in 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 30 years 40 years uh uh this the, the, this sort of uh very extreme inflation um uh, running into uh well I I think the Americans were hitting double digits for a little while there uh, but certainly uh, up above five percent, uh, five and six percent, nine percent. I've seen um, it's uh, it's it's a lot more than what we're used to. Um, maybe uh, uh, give me your perspective on on exactly uh, where 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 inflation is at, and 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 what's going on with prices, and specifically if you think that there's a difference between our building material prices and the costs that contractors are are seeing. And 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 what the general levels are, or is it pretty much the same? Oh yeah, the, the um, inflation is is a slightly different beast than than a lot of us initially instinctively think of it. The inflation, we tend to go, what's happened in the last year, and that's how it's reported in the news and things like that. But if it was only about reacting to what's already happened, that wouldn't be so scary. Uh, and I guess the jury is still out here on whether we've reached the perilous point where where everybody sort of makes their plans going forward 
on the presumption that prices will continue to rise. And there's that expression a lot of people have heard about, but maybe poorly understood. Inflationary expectations are the real demon. The price rises if, if, uh, if prices went up by 10% and we all had to adjust. And then going forward, we weren't anticipating further price rises. Well, we would carry on with business as usual with that one sort of blip in the trend line. Um, the concern that, that we have is that that trend line now has shifted up and everybody's adjusting, expecting things will continue to, to rise, which means uh, suppliers adjust prices today in anticipation of a price rise in the future. Uh, labor, whether it's unions or, or just general workers, feel as if they must get more today in anticipation that everything is going to cost them more in the future. So it's that, that, that worry about what's coming in the future uh, that makes this such a difficult beast to wrestle into submission. You could feel that shift in the last year, couldn't you? Um, when the supply choke first started in, um, a lot of talk about transitory nature of it, that 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 sooner or later the suppliers would get their act together, this would clear out with demand still strong and a lot of money uh, washing around in households that 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 this would kind of clear out and 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 all be going away. And then and then over the course of the last year, the, the, it, I, I think it I think it seemed to occur as as you saw it hit more and more different sectors, right? Like like it wasn't just, this one thing anymore and this thing it wasn't just appliances anymore it wasn't just uh that and then when the gas prices went up i think especially with the ukraine war at the start of the year that that you could you could almost feel couldn't you this 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 thing setting in a uh oh this the, you know this is this is here to stay like this is this is gonna this is gonna keep happening I, did you did you sense that because i i felt like i did well I mean, you could, and I could, and I'm frankly mystified. Uh, while I'm not an economist, I'm not beyond throwing stones at them. Yeah. Um, and I'm frankly mystified if we go back to late 2020, early 2021, and for, and for that matter, throughout the entirety of 2021, when the policymakers uh, kept on uh, insisting that they expected this to be that, that that anomaly where we following which we would go back to normal. Um, I can understand why they wanted people to feel that way, because if, if they came out and said, oh, we're back to inflation, then we'd all jump on that train and start adjusting prices. So while that might have been the, the public message you wanted to get out there, they actually seemed to believe it. And if you go back and you, and you, and you look at conditions at the time, You've outlined most of them, shortage of supplies, a huge pent up demand, people with, with money that's been accumulating against their will for a period of time, uh, and the, the, just the general uh, unavailability of things. Um, of course there was inflation. Of course there was going to be inflation. Those are all the triggers and any one of those things can be a trigger. When they're all happening at once, it's kind of like, what are you not seeing here? Yeah, and and you have to think that that had they hit uh, the markets with with an interest rate shock right right at the start, uh, you know they they might have been able to nip some of that in the some of that in the bud. Well, it, it doubly so because um, you know there's there's I mean the blunt truth is 
the reason in, uh, raising interest rates is used as a tool to fight inflation is it sort of bludgeons people into not wanting to buy things uh, at, at this rate, tamp down demand. It's some will argue that the medicine is worse than the illness, um, but that's what it's intended to do. So if we go back to 2021, of course, they were all very concerned that we had a fragile economic recovery coming on. Um, but to your point, Patrick, if they had tweaked interest rates at that time and actually reduced the demand that people were exerting on things, that would have hit the very commodities and the very products that weren't available anyways. You know, if you raise interest rates, people back off wanting to buy a car, people back off wanting to buy appliances and all the things that were backed up at the, at the ports on the Pacific coast. Uh, why wouldn't we want to tamp down demand on those things? Because they're not in the stores anyways. So, you know, it's easy to go back in retrospect and point fingers, but, you know, come on. But man, what a what what, what a great point. That, I mean that that was the weird thing about about the start of this. I, I, I saw a, uh, an economist, uh, uh, an actual economist, uh, uh, earlier this year at uh, I think it was the uh, OCS Ontario Construction Secretariat conference, uh, and and he was uh, and he was saying that you know the thing about inflation is. It's it's really really hard to stop once it gets going, and it's and and, and apparently it's really really hard to get going uh, if it <laughs> if it has been stopped, and and, uh, and 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 you could see that um, um, that tension. Um, it, it was only because the demand was so strong and people had all this money, and you couldn't get stuff no matter how much you wanted it, right? right. So yeah, to your point, if 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 you had a you know, watered down the demand just a little bit and just slowed, you know, maybe slowed things down a little bit. Um, you might have uh, you might have avoided the, the impact actually hitting prices, maybe, I, you know. Well, now I kind of suspect and this is um, lays right on top of the subject we're, we're most concerned with here. I kind of suspect that the, the part of the economy they were most hesitant to try and pour water on was construction, particularly housing. Mm. Um, now, I don't think anyone particularly wanted the, the run-up in prices to happen that did, but what they did not want to see was was people becoming even less able to buy houses because mortgage rates would be going up. So I suppose I get that part. Um, it's the one branch of the economy that was sort of running on all cylinder throughout the pandemic. And interest is probably the most sensitive part of the economy when it comes to interest rates. So, you know, I get that part. Um, but even even if you go back to 2021, it was it was you either take your medicine now or you take it later. But you know you're going to have to choke it down sometime. Yeah, and and you know to be to be worried about. Boy, they had a lot of latitude before they had to worry about depressing housing prices. I mean, even after these 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 round after round after round of 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 rate hikes that we've seen, right? My my brother's a mortgage broker, and he's absolutely pulling his hair out. Um, the uh, the you know the, it's only now starting to bite into the prices, uh, the housing prices a little bit, right? I mean, I mean that we we went for so many years uh, with everyone predicting a bubble. And 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 n nothing apparently could burst it. Do, do, you, do, you th do you think we've managed to burst it? 
Well, I, don't, I, don't I, think so. I wonder how much of a built-in lag there is. Mm. You know, if if in uh, 2021 there were perhaps 200,000 new residences in in process in the year 2021. Okay. So if you if you um, kind of make affordability, if you hit affordability on the interest rate rather than the sticker price, you might not see the impact of that until all of that work in process starts to come on the market. So I, I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen the full impact of interest rates on certainly not on new house prices. I speculate, well, we've already seen the number of condo projects that are being either canceled or worse than that developers kind of weaseling ways of trying to gouge their customers for more money. Um, the thing I think we've yet to see is how many buyers, people who, who put down a deposit three years ago and then supposed to take possession now in 2022, and they won't meet, they won't meet the, uh, the, the stress test, which as far as I know is still in place, or never mind that, they simply won't meet the bank's requirements to get financing. I don't know how many pre-sales people are going to have to walk away from for lack of financing. Hmm. And so if we end up with things that have to be, uh, that are distress sales, uh, there's a real contagion there. And I'm not sure we've reached that point yet. Yeah, we haven't yet. The, 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 the price slide is, is, is real. Um, I, I know that we're down, uh, we, we gotta be down 10% off our high water mark here in London where I am. Um, uh, cause things went crazy here over COVID on the, on the housing prices. Uh, everybody trying to get out of Toronto because they could work from home now. And, um, and, and I, I think, I think we're seeing the, I think we're seeing the slide. Um, but, uh, yeah, is, is there, is, is there more to come? It's, it's, it's pretty hard to tell. We'd, we'd need a crystal ball. Um, do the ex, does the expectations thing work the same on the, on the, on the housing? I suppose it does. Pe people are going to be, uh, more reluctant to borrow against their, um, like, like use their line of credit. That's at that lovely low, uh, mortgage rate or was, um, and, uh, they're, they're going to be more reluctant to, to, uh, buy against that if they think that they're, uh, well, I guess it's the opposite of the inflation effect. If they think their price is going to depress and go down. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think, I think what we will see more and more now is a decoupling of the, the market, particularly time buyers who, who they want a home mm. and, uh, they'll probably, take more sacrifice in that uh they'd want it to be an investment but they most of all they want a home hmm. uh however there is by some estimates 20 percent of the new home market in 2021 were investors for single family or or for individual residences whether condos or single family homes so you know when those investors you know I, I was doing a little math there if you if you have a if you're an investor you got a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage on your rental property you only need about a thousand dollars a month to, to to meet your carrying costs including taxes and general maintenance that's assuming you had you you were um borrowing that money at the variable rates at one time we saw 1.4 percent um 
now, if you if your variable rate now has kicked up to say five percent, and you can't lock in for much less or for any less than that, mm -hmm. your carrying cost on on that unit is now below what you're likely getting in rent. So it's no longer cash positive. So that that calls into question. It, it certainly discourages somebody from participating and buying something going forward. Yeah. So take that 20% out of the market. I think, I think we might actually see investor interest in, in buying property go close to zero now, because not only is that investment not cash positive, the real reason you're making that investment is because you're looking for market appreciation. Hmm. And that's where, you know, some people have a little water under their keel. They'll ride it out, hoping that they get back to where their property starts to appreciate again. Um, but if you're sitting here and you're going, where should I put my money into this thing, which is cash negative, and I can't realistically expect it to grow at anything close to the inflation rate, I don't think that's where I'm going to put my money. Right. Um, and so I don't know what the what the impact of removing investor interest in in the um, residential property market will be. I think it's going to be significant. Yeah, yeah, it, it it could be for sure. I think we could see a, a maybe finally see a, a, a sort of a sort of a longer term and more structural slide there. Um, speaking of as long as we're as long as we're on the topic of housing prices. Uh, what what do you think of uh, Ford's uh, plan there? Uh, he, we're in Ontario here, of course, everybody, and uh, and uh, our government here just came out with a, uh, a big multi point plan to uh, try to streamline approvals and uh, encourage rental housing and and all the rest of it. H have you looked at that, Steve? Any any thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I don't know it well, so I I'm not yeah. qualified on that front. The the other thing is. And this is kind of a Weasley thing for me to say, but um, up to now, we've been talking about broad conceptual things, you know, and what did history like, which is a very different question than looking at a, at a discrete initiative with a finite amount of money and asking to what extent will that prime the pump wherever you want that pump to go. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a that's a question that requires a more. Um, a better informed answer. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of dodge on that. Yeah. Except, except back to the, the broader question of policy and things like that. I think government rather than trying to, um, I don't know, buy certain things and then make that certain thing that they bought available to a discrete number of people. I think they would be better off in in changing the foundation on which the industry works. And I think I would rather see them uh, make entry-level homes more affordable by driving down development costs dramatically and possibly being much more generous with an HST rebate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I understand the logic of the, the rebate as it's, as it is, it's supposed to take us, it's all, it's supposed to kind of neutralize the impact of harmonizing provincial and federal taxes a number of years ago. It certainly wasn't put there to try and make homes more affordable for, for uh, first time buyers. You know, I, I think if they did that, rather than say, okay, we, we're going to make, we're going to provide homes for 10,000 people. And outside of those lucky 10,000, you're all still standing in the rain. Uh, I, I'd rather see them go, you know what, we're going to invest in a massive great umbrella 
and, and everybody's gets a little bit of shelter under that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Our, our, our friend Casey edge out in, uh, out in Victoria wrote a column about that uh, a little while ago. Um, you know, talking about the effect of, of if you, if you, if you have more development going on where the market wants it, right. Which is higher up uh, on the, on the, on the chain, the, the, absolutely logical effect is that is that is that as people move out of their lower income housing and move into the higher income stuff which is the natural progression of people's lives um the the lower income stuff frees up uh well, so well if i can interrupt you there yeah. Patrick, because this goes back to my my commentary about investor participation in the market i think that's a grossly understated driver of property price inflation how many people do you know who've moved up, but they hung on to the house they vacated? I would say almost everybody I knew, know who's, who's bought a home in the last five years still owns the home that they vacated as long as they're still living in that area. Really? Because it, it costs so little to hang on to it. Oh, yeah. I've got... I've got a I've got a five hundred thousand dollar condo, and now I'm going to move into a million and a half dollar house. Well, instead of selling the condo and putting down a nice down payment, I get a high ratio mortgage, which for some unfathomable reason costs less than somebody who puts up a full down payment, and it's cost me next to nothing to hang on to the house I just vacated. Yes, common. We, that, we, that's right. Yep, yeah. less common out here. But but uh, it, yeah, that that that's I I know that goes on a lot and and yeah everybody in the GTA I I know yeah they 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 would they would definitely hold the other place and and rent it or something and and do something else with it yes it's, that's and and the 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 phenomenon I think is most prevalent right where we need more housing stock which is entry level homes yeah yeah absolutely and that's yeah just I I, I think. I think that if they could just if they could just un unblock the bottleneck at 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 the other end, uh, you know, and of, of course, you know, to some people that smacks is you know, oh, you're just you know throwing flowers at the feet of rich people, you know, and and but but ah, the 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 stock has got it. The stock has got to clear up a, a, a somehow, and and I don't think, like you say, building ten thousand affordable units with government money, and then and then and then giving it, you know, yeah, the lucky few get it. But but they'll never be enough, you know. You yeah, need the market yeah. to find the solution. And I and I think the I think the obstacle to policy decisions like like uh, making taxation work better for entry level homes, I think the the thing that uh, is difficult for policymakers to follow that course is um, that's not a that's not a, a specific program you can just let oops. You know, if you change the tax code, <laughs> you're you're not going to get away with saying, "Oh, that we that that one lapsed. We're not we're not refunding that." You change yeah. the tax code, you don't you don't get to put the tax back on having a bit of a of a war on your hands. So I think they're very they're very reluctant to to tinker with that, and and yeah. yet and yet it should. If you if you believe the data that uh, I believe it was the CHBA, it might have been the Ontario Home Builders Association put up. You know, they did a calculation of what the what the tax and fee burden is on a new home, and mm -hmm. they did it for various areas around the Golden Horseshoe in Ontario, and it was it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. 
you know, affordability is squarely in the hands of government. They just stopped taking so much of it. Well, for what it's worth, the 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 CHBA and the and the uh, the uh, the Niagara builders uh, and uh, Rescon all seem thrilled uh, with Ford's uh, with Ford's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because a lot of it is 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 going at that regulatory level, um, and and then and then I, I, I'm a little bit I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen with this uh, this idea of giving mayors. Uh, uh, more power over the and councils more power over the approvals process uh, to try to try to remove the the bottlenecks and the and and the drags on it. I, I, as an example of that, um, we just had a story in the paper here in London uh, uh, today of a uh, of a developer who who uh, got his permit in 2021. Um, then he uh, he wasn't actually the, they couldn't start the building because of COVID, and then and then was was picking up the permit as they put it uh, this year, mm-hmm. and there was a fee of course between the time he had originally got approved for the permit and between the time he actually activated it or picked it up, um, the fees had gone up like sixty thousand dollars a unit on 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 these on these things that he made right yeah. <laughs> and 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 he's of course he's going before uh uh council saying saying come on i you know like uh, give me I, I thought the price was going to stay where it was when i when when i had when i got the approval and 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 then we've got our new mayor here in london and uh and and the and the councilman from the area saying well we get it but those are the rules that's the rules we can't do anything about it <laughs> Uh, yeah and then and then uh if if depending on the sales agreement if he's got a pre-sale on those things and he goes back and says i have to adjust the selling price for this reason the toronto star will be all over them saying that that they're not playing fair well okay yeah carry that one through you know um yeah there's no question that that uh time and uncertainty drive up the cost of, of building a house and and you know because no one can actually take a dollar figure and say that that's what it is uh it, maybe it gets far less attention than it should yeah. but to to take three years to be able to build a house is and not know whether you're going to be able to build what you what you're intending to in the first place now there, there is a. I've, I've got a bit of a, a, a split personality over this because I live in a neighborhood that is being grossly um, revised through infill housing, and you know, there's a lot of complaining about how long it takes. And I asked one of the one of the the, the, the builders. I said, "Well, if you simply built within the envelope, the zoning envelope, how long would that take?" He said, "About two months." I go. Okay, so um, then build within the zoning envelope, and th- th- there is there is a real problem, and and this audience isn't going to like me saying this, but there's a real problem with people buying a development property, and then whinging about the fact that they're not allowed to. Well, first of all, they overpay for that property, mm-hmm. and then they whinge and complain that they're not allowed to put enough on that land to justify their misguided investment. <laughs> you know, if you spent a million and a half dollars to buy a residential property so you could tear the house down and put another one up, and you, you have to put up a $3 million 
fourplex in order to justify it. Don't complain to me that you bought a piece of property that's inappropriate for what you want to do. Yep. And yep. and I'll be I'll be very surprised if ninety eight percent of the people listen to this don't want to lynch me after saying that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You, yeah. You won't be you won't be popular. But, well. And 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 uh, uh, Doug Ford apparently disagrees because uh, part of that plan was to allow up to three residential units on a on a property zone for one. Um, now I think they're mostly talking about basement apartments and granny suites and 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 well, and, and things like that. But they're lifting. If I may. That if I may, let me let me sort of sort of touch on why that's a sort of a different animal. Okay. Um, what I'm talking about is if I'm going into something and the ground rules are this, mm. then I can make a rational decision. And that's what the ground rules are. And so if I'm buying a home in, in a neighborhood and I haven't done enough research to realize that there's a possibility that a six-story apartment block could go up beside me, shame on me. Similarly, if I buy a piece of property, presuming that I can put $5 million of construction on that and I'm not allowed to, shame on you. Mm -hmm. So when Doug Ford's saying, we're going to change the rules, well, it's, it's visibility for everybody. Yeah, That's a somewhat different thing. Folks, check before you buy. <laughs> well, but that's but that, but that's so trenched in in the building world now. I mean, goddamn government for stopping me from doing what I intended to do. Right. Well, it was against the rules from the outset. What do you and they? <laughs> you didn't look. You didn't. Well, they look. knew very. They knew very well. But it's become such a such such a a a, a common thread in the yeah. building community that they think they're actually righteous in that complaint. And I'm yeah. sorry, folks, I disagree with you. There you go. There you go. There's our first, there's our first, uh, uh, a great piece of business, uh, advice, uh, coming from Steve today. Uh, uh, try to make sure before you buy the property that you're going to be able to do what you want to do with it. Uh, that's, 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 that's a fairly, that's a fairly easy one for all of us out there. Um, let, let's, let's, let's move into more, uh, uh, Steve, we're, we're, we're talking about, uh, about inflation and prices and, and, and all that kind of thing. Your, your bread and butter is, uh, is, is giving people, uh, advice on how to manage their, their businesses in a way that uh, keeps them from going bankrupt and, uh, hopefully doing better than that. Um, what do we, what do we, what do contractors do? properly about these about these this price uncertainty that we're seeing uh uh the, the, everyone is complaining about you know they're, they're seeing two and three price increases before the end of their project um any tips on mitigating that any any ideas you have on the best way to handle that as a as a businessman or well uh, this is a point at which uh my claimed experience with inflationary times in the 70s <laughs> doesn't <laughs> doesn't equip me you know you look at it and and uh, um it scares the daylights out of me mm -hmm. um in construction uh, more than i just a minute ago i said time is money and 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 uncertainty and now you take that times two because if you've got to wait three years to to, to get something built who knows what your costs are going to look like they i i don't know what you can do I don't. First of all, I don't know what to what extent the audience works with with um, with fixed pricing. To you know, where I quote a price and I promise you, I will complete the scope for this price. 
that's where your your real exposure is. And I and and if memory serves, I and I don't know about construction, but in other things that I that I worked in, um, and I was very young at the time, so nobody was sharing with me high finance skills at the time. But th there was such a thing as an escalation clause in in a lot of contracts that said you know, that it would generally identify certain elements that say these will be adjusted per some reference point, like the cost of living or, or you know, an accepted inflation index. So that, th that has been done. Um, I kind of think that a lot of builders would prefer now to be working with a cost plus kind of contract so that the, uh, you know, you, the client will pay actual cost plus a markup um that doesn't you need to be careful if if that's the direction you go first of all a lot, a lot of people don't understand what a markup actually is they you know we won't go into that but they they want a 30 percent margin that's not a 30 percent markup and you you actually have to so whatever you do don't go into a cost plus arrangement unless somebody's given you or you know very well how to calculate what that markup needs to be to get what you need the other thing to watch out for is if you have your own in-house labor, you're probably not going to be, that's probably not going to be in the, in the cost plus formula. That's probably something you're covering under your, or your markup and labor's one of the things that's likely to continue to go up, even if they miss a tap down other commodity prices. So you, you, even at that, you haven't shielded yourself from, from inflation. You know, I don't know that there's any great, sophisticated, clever ways to do this. That's just, this is why inflation scares the daylights out of people. Yeah, you know, it we only have blunt instruments. Yeah, absolutely. There doesn't seem to be uh, any way to uh, to really um, really protect yourself and 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 really uh, uh, sort of hedge. You know, uh, it, it, it's like you need a hedge somehow. No. And, and, in another conversation, you had um, mentioned the idea of of inventorying, buying things and, and yeah. inventorying them. So at least you've locked in your price, uh, which, again, you have to be careful to do the math correctly. Because if you buy, let's say, $100,000 worth of lumber right, and you put it into stock, well, where's the $100,000 coming from? It's pro you're going to be paying some kind of interest on that. And is the interest on that going to be any less than the possible escalation in, in costs if you buy it as did? So I'm not sure yet. Like I say, you do the math and you figure it out. The real, the real potential for buying things and, and putting them into inventory is, is you may be able to, to go more directly to the supplier. You know, in best case scenario, you get, go directly to the mill and you buy your lumber by the truckload. In which case, I'm sure you save a great deal of money. The savings is on this on on the invoice price, uh, not so much in that it's in protecting you from from future inflation. And there are there are builders that do that, and I envy them. But you have to be a pretty substantial builder to be able to buy things by the truckload. Yeah, you've got to have deep pockets, and you've and and whenever you whenever you engage in speculation, you can really only do it to the extent that you can afford to lose. So uh, that's that's you know you, that, I guess that's that's how it has to be obsessed assessed, and you have to look at the the depth of your pockets and your ability to miss your bet. 
and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. money on it because because you don't know, especially these days. You know, the interest rates themselves are 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 unpredictable. I mean, we don't we don't know what the Bank of Canada is going to do next. Sure, they are. Sure, you know. So, so you you don't even know that. One comment you made, and I think we touched on this, but but let's just let's let's look at it in a little more depth. Um, what one comment you made in the column was that the uh, was that the inflation could could sort of ironically mean a drop in house prices. Um, that, that 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 seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Um, explain to me your thinking on that, and uh, and 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 what we should know about that. Well, I suppose it comes back to the 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 sort of policy level objective of rising interest rates is supposed to tamp down demand. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at um, where interest rates are likely to impact demand, it's hard to choose anything more subject to that than 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 a house. In other words, rising interest rates are probably going to uh, have a bigger impact on the demand for houses than they will on almost anything else. Right. Um, now, I don't know how much that's going to, we have so much pent up demand for at least first time entry level homes. I don't know how much it's true for, for that demographic. And if it is true, it's for the worst possible reason you know, driving down demand for houses means you're denying somebody a place to live. Mm-hmm. If you drive down demand for cars or televisions or refrigerators, you're just demanding that people carry on with the rust bucket they've been driving for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, but having said that, I, I, it's hard to imagine any other item out there that's going to be more subjected to that. Um, and, and, it, for that simple reason, I think that's w- where it will have an impact on on housing. Um, people basically, well, the the corollary, the reverse of that is, to a large extent, what drove up the price of houses. People can, af- you know, they focus on the carrying cost of a house, right? And the real estate industry has been driving that into people's heads for for two decades now. Don't worry about the sticker price because the carrying cost is within your means. All right, well, that formula still applies today. So the sticker price has to be lower. By that logic, it has to be lower because you're buying according to your ability to carry it. And if, you know, people that were were working with a variable interest rate, they've seen their interest rate double and almost triple. Yeah, uh, ours has. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a it's been a, it's been a huge jump for sure, and it's going to depress demand. I mean, uh, they're, they're going to get the recession that they're after. Uh, I think in uh, in in twenty twenty three, and I, and I'm not I'm not actually saying that as a criticism. That's that's how you that's how you get inflation uh, under control is you basically generate a recession. Uh, there's I don't think there's any other way to do it. Um, well, I, I I I think you're right, there, Patrick. If you look at where inflation is hitting hardest right now, it's not in discretionary spending. It's hitting in groceries. It's it's hitting on 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 accommodations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. I mean, does it, do any of us know if it costs more to go to Cuba this year than it did last year? I don't know. Uh, that's maybe not where where it's hitting the hardest. It's hitting in the hardest. You simply can't live without. So it, it's 
Well, yeah. I think the real I think the real trigger that made this start to feel and and now I was a kid in the 70s, but uh, but but I but, well, I was still around. I, I, I was becoming somewhat aware in the 80s. Uh, and and the inflation was still pretty high, and certainly the interest rates were high for a long part of that. Um, it, but but where it started to feel or, or or sound more like that was when the Ukraine war broke out and the gas prices really spiked again. And uh, and and you know to to your point, like like when it when the inflation starts to hit the real necessities and and oil and gas particularly, uh, that that just seems to drive everything and 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 put you into that into that situation where. Yeah, I can't afford everything that I would like because my necessities are now that much yeah. higher, right? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if 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 people have to make those difficult choices, mm -hmm. that's painful enough. But but remember, there are people who don't even have the luxury of that choice. Yeah. I mean, re recessions, you know, in a in a sort of humanistic sort of way, um, inflation hits everybody. Uh, so the rich, the poor, we all, some of it, it, it means more than others, but everybody gets tagged with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, in a recession, though, if you keep your job, the recession probably doesn't hit you so hard. It's the people who lose their jobs. So recessions are much less, let's say, democratic than, than, and that's what makes them so cruel. If we, if yeah, if we're going to have a recession, some of us are going to barely know what happened, and there are other other people where their life trajectory has changed because that the both the you know both sides of the the earners and a family lost their jobs or something like that. And that that's the thing that worries me most about a recession is it's very unfair and who gets tagged with it. After prices, jumping out of that point, after prices. And 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 inflation, maybe even before it. Sometimes the next topic that comes up whenever I speak to people is is the is labor and 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 <laughs> the availability of it and wages yeah. and 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 all of this kind of thing. You know, and, yeah. and and here in Canada especially, I I think we tend to we tend to assess recessions and economic activity in terms of jobs. Um, um, do we are uh, are are is everybody listening to this going to have to be prepared for some pretty stiff wage demands and, and to really have to hike things up in order to get people uh, uh, back to work? Because from what I'm hearing, it's like pulling teeth to, to, to find workers these days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, there, there's a few elements of psychology in there. I think the, you know, the, I think on in construction the the sort of um, the being the balance of power kind of leveled off a number of years ago in manufacturing. Let's let's start with that. And in manufacturing, the balance of power shifted entirely into the business owner or the operator, probably around 1980. And then as we started to offshore everything, for somebody whose skill is in manufacturing, which can be a very specific, very high uh, level of skill, but if they're in manufacturing, there's a limited number of places they can go for a job. And, and the threat that we're going to shut this sucker down is always looming. And, it's, and it's, that's been a, 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 an argument that's worked for people trying to keep labor costs down. It's worked for them from 1980 through until 2020. Um, now 
that was less so in construction as we've had a shortage of skilled trades for quite some time. But right. we're now getting to the point where if I'm a, if I'm a, a skilled trade, boy, <laughs> do I feel as if I'm holding the reins? I sure do. And am I, am I going to let go of them just because the, the central bank says we've tamed inflation and I shouldn't ask for any more money? Sorry, <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it works. If I've got, if I have something of value that's in scarce supply, I don't care what the inflation level is. My price is what the market will bear. Yeah. So I don't think we've seen the end of, of uh, the skilled trades, the cost of skilled trades running up. Um, yeah. Because I don't think we're going to see anywhere near the sort of decline in construction that's going to leave us with a balanced labor market. Yeah. No, I I I I agree entirely. Uh, uh, the 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 trades are uh, are 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 in a position to uh, to write their write their own ticket, uh, to to pick and choose. Uh, well, just just try to get somebody to do something. Uh, as a, as a homeowner, uh, uh, everyone's booked out for six months, yeah. um, and and it's or more. So uh, it's it's got to be a situation where that where where the wages are going are, are going to be going up and it's got to be a situation where um well i i guess everybody better get their get their support behind all these organizations that are trying to do trade shows and 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 uh career fairs and getting more uh, getting more skilled trades involved because i mean that's the only relief i see in sight uh outside yeah. of well i mean the immigration is happening but you know, it, it it it. I don't think it can. I don't think it can happen fast enough to satisfy the 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 demand that's out there. So, it, it, in addition to your material inflation, we're going to be seeing lots of wage inflation. I I think over the next uh, over the next few years. I, I and and there's another level that worries me there in that um, the as as workers feel less and less um, tied to an employer. Um, how i mean does the is the employer now going to lose never mind the dollars and cents part of are they going to lose their their um position of of requiring a minimal expectation off of those people are there people who who they take every friday off or they take every monday off because they like to booze it up for sunday night football mm -hmm. um and it, is that well what are you going to do about it uh, that probably worries me more than the than the hourly rate I might have to pay that person. Is is what what am I entitled to as an employer? What's my what am I entitled to expect of somebody? Um, it's one of the that, it's one of the few things that 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 the employers can can offer uh, outside of wages is is this sort of extreme flexibility, almost gig economy uh, uh, type of structure. Um, and I'm not saying it's good. It's 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 not not necessarily good for the for the for the owner at all. Um, but it's uh, it 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 does. I know some companies have been able to make themselves attractive uh, with 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 a lot of flexibility. M Monday Mondays off, <laughs> hangover day off, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you know that that those, those seem to be the those seem to be one of the tools that a, that that a business owner. One of the few things you can do, right, to make yourself more attractive. Yeah, and if I may, I want to be careful. I I, I was glib about that idea that, that somebody wants to party on Sunday night, and the only reason I I bring that up is because that's the real world example I have of a guy that I that I it was a bit <laughs> troubled to 
and that's not at all the he's not the, alone <laughs> the, the 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 only reason why you might have that there there you know there, there's any number of reasons and this comes back to what you said about employment conditions that that make life better for your employees it doesn't have to be dollars and cents it could be any number of things yeah. uh and uh it, it and it, it neither of us i think is suggesting that the way to get through this is is to uh make it easier for people to follow their vices uh but make it easy for easier for people to live their lives you know there's a lot you can do there um it may have less of a place in in construction but one of the things that utterly mystifies me is large employers who make no effort to help young families with daycare hmm you know Great point. If, if I'm a bank and I want people to stick, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it so that a young family, A, a daycare is easy to get to, and B, if there's a difficulty, let's say the child is sick or something, there's an outlet for them. Um, and that doesn't, you know, that's not an example that plays to, to at least to, 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 you know, owner operator level construction companies, you have a daycare policy. Uh, you don't have enough employees for that to work, but there are other things you can do. And, and, and a little imagination uh, can go a long way. Why not? Right. I mean, I, I mean, if, 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 if you can find some way to assist employees, even as a small operator uh, with, with that, uh, maybe, you know, someone who runs a daycare, you know, and, 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 and you can get them spots there. I, I don't know, something. There's certainly right? things you can do. I mean, yeah, it, there's gotta be something. And, 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 and it's, it's, I think, I think that the, the, the point to me is, is that in a, in a situation where everyone is struggling for, for, for labor and how do we retain people? I speak to companies all the time that don't pay their employees anymore than anybody else really uh they pay them fairly they're not low paid but they 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 pay them fairly and they and and in this environment they're able to retain people for years and years and years and these people are fending off offers and 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 not going anywhere else yeah because of the treatment they got yeah and you know it's uh it's it's it it sounds you know everybody likes to think it all boils down to dollars and cents and what have you done for me lately Actually, not so much. There, there was a there was a National Post article this morning. Um, there, there was a National Post article the uh, uh, just the other day. Uh, uh, it was talking about um, um, uh, female managers and uh, and 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 that they uh, tended to praise uh, the employees more. And, uh, and 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 this was and this was leading to these greater retention rates. Yeah, you know, just saying, you know, good job. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a skill set that that a lot of um, I was going to say a lot of owner operators should start to develop, but you know what? It's true of everybody. It's yeah, it skills every every company, every manager needs to needs to give some thought to. Well. We've gone very far afield from the initial inflation discussion, <laughs> although it's all tied together. It's all wrapped yeah, together. We're giving people, yeah. we're giving, we're giving, we're giving people some ideas, uh, some things to talk about. Hopefully, uh, definitely get your feedback in. Uh, Steve, this has gone, uh, this has gone well. Um, let's um, let's 
let people know where maybe they can uh, they can find you if they want to if they want to reach out and share their thoughts. Uh, uh, you've got a website out there. Sure enough, it's uh, mmiproservices.com. And you can reach me at Steve Ryan at mmiproservices.com. There it is, I love, folks. Love there to have the easy. dialogue. I love to hear what people have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, Steve, I want to thank you very much for uh, for sharing your thoughts today. Great conversation. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do this again soon. It's been fun. I'd like to. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for listening to The Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine.